Today we're going to finish up the study in the book of Judges. And been an amazing study. I've enjoyed it so much. And every time I go through this book, I'm amazed at what I don't know that God shows me. Every time you look at the Word of God, there's something new and exciting that He shows you. Uh, Judges chapter 17 is a break in the book of Judges. Now, remember as we travel through the book of Judges that we began with Judges that you might not have known. Uh, Ahud, Othniel, uh, Shamgar, people like that. And then as we moved on through the book of Judges, we found those Judges that you know. Gideon, Samson, those that, that we are familiar with. But something tragic happens in chapter 17. In chapter 17, the people of God become so pagan and the people of God go into rebellion to a point that God says, I'm done. I'm finished. God stops sending judges. So they became so wicked that God even said, I'm not going to send these mighty deliverers to you anymore. So, what I'm going to talk about today as I wrap up the book of Judges, the title I got from a poem, and I call this The Center Cannot Hold. Years ago, William Butler Yeats wrote a poem entitled The Second Coming. That poem deals with the second coming of Christ. There, there's a phrase in that poem that says this, Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. And what the author is saying there, William Butler Yeats says that before the end times, <clears throat> and before the second coming of Jesus, things will be in such anarchy that the center of the world will fly apart and it will not hold together. I want you to hold your spot there in Judges 17, but I want you to look over to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. What we're going to find in the book of Judges is that when we look at Judges 17 and 18, there is a great parallel between that time and the days before Jesus will come again. Now I want to tell you, we're living in a day and time where things are on a high speed track. We are racing towards the second coming of Jesus. I don't have any doubt about that. I, I know that we are closer to the end than we've ever been. And the reason why is because the center cannot hold together as the world is today. And so if you look at Matthew 24... Beginning in verse number 7. Now read 7 through 14. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Now I want to stop and tell you, verse number 8 says. This is not the end. It's simply the beginning 
of the pains of childbirth. It's the beginning of the end. Let's pick it up, verse 9. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Now, when you look at verse number 9, I want to tell you, we live in a Christian land, and it's still a nation that God has blessed. Travel around the world, there are those that are hated because they identify with the name of Jesus. Alright, pick it up at verse number 10. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. When I look at verse number 10, I'm reminded of how many dear, dear, close friends I have. I want to tell you, you're blessed if you got five or ten. You really are. Alright, look at verse number 12. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Verse 13 14, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. I want to remind you, verse number 13 declares that those who are saved are those who persevere. The evidence of our faith is in the consistency that we have. Verse number 14. When will Jesus come again? Here's the answer. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. Now hear this. And then the end will come. So the Bible says when the gospel is penetrated to the whole world, then the end will come. Now when you read Matthew chapter 24, you read that description of the end times, that is exactly what happened in Judges 17 and 18. The anarchy, the confusion that we have here at the end of the book of Judges. You can look at chapter 17, verse, uh, verse number 6. In those days there was no king in Israel, Every man did what was right in his own eyes. That verse will describe the day and time, the times before Jesus will come again. So, let, let's just read here just a little bit, alright? <clears throat> I'm going to read in chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. There is a man of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Micah. He said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver which were taken from you about which you uttered a curse in my hearing. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. He returned the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I wholly declare the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now therefore I will return them to you. So when he returned the silver to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave them to the silversmith who made them to a graven image and a molten image. And they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine and he made an epod and household idols 
and consecrate one of his sons that he might become his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now that's the first of three real stories we're going to look at today. But I, I remind you again, the days of the, judge, of the judges, <clears throat> number one, there was no king in Israel. Number two, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Anarchy and rebellion. Now, Judges chapter 17 through 21 probably took place at an earlier time, maybe 40 years uh, in the past, 40 years before the Philistines ruled in Israel. The writer shows the evidence of a society that just went haywire. In this day and time, according to verse number 6, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Have you ever heard someone say, he doesn't know the truth, and he doesn't speak the truth, and the truth to him is whatever he says? Is that not a commentary on our day? And could we not say that everyone does what is right in their own eyes? In other words, everyone comes up with the own truth according to them. I'm telling you, listen to me, we're going to look up quickly, I believe, to the eastern sky, and it's going to split, and Jesus is going to come again. The center cannot hold together. A society that doesn't know what the truth is, a society that has no moral compass, a society that stands for nothing, cannot hold together. It cannot. So today, we're going to look at the breakdown of this world in three areas. Number one, the home. Number two, the ministry. And number three, society. And I remind you, this book of Judges reads like a newspaper in the 21st century. Alright, let's look at it today, okay? Number one, there was a breakdown, there was confusion in the home. I just read to you chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. This is a tragic story that the home, the foundations of the home had broken down. Uh, Psalm chapter 11, verse number 3. Psalms 11, 3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what? Can the righteous do? Let me tell you, God has established three institutions. The home, human government, and a worshiping community. In other words, the home, government, and the church, a worshiping community. When God wedded Adam and Eve, I mean, God came down, He performed the ceremony. God wedded Adam and Eve. When God did that there in the Garden of Eden, He established the first home. I mean, can you imagine that wedding ceremony? God comes down, sees that Adam is lonely, so God comes to him and says, hey, you need a helper. And Adam says, well, I see all these animals over here. God says, oh, you need something better than that. 
So he gives a little knockout to Adam. Puts him asleep. <clears throat> then God does a little surgery. God reaches in there and takes away a rib. He forms this woman, alright? Adam wakes up. Can you imagine? <laughs> he wakes up from his sleep, he looks over, and he sees Eve. Woo! <laughs> he looks at her, Adam goes, Wow, man! God says, Good name, wall man, alright? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Oh, you'll get that later, okay? <laughs> but I want to tell you, a society cannot last long with breakdown of the home. When you live in a world where people don't even know what gender they are, when you live in a world where people don't even know what bathroom to go to, when you live in a world that is confused about the home, we ain't far from being destroyed. That's what happened here in the book of Judges. Let me recount the story here, alright? This guy named Micah. Uh, Micah, his name means who is like Jehovah. He had a family, but evidently his wife is not mentioned. And uh, some have said that uh, he was kind of a mama's boy. Some have even called him a sissy. Someone had stolen 1,100 pieces of silver from his mother. Guess who stole the money? The silver. Well, Micah did, the child. But I want you to look at verse number 3. The Bible says, He then returned the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I wholly dedicate the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now therefore, I will return them to you. Back up the last part of verse number 1. The mother says, Blessed be my son by the Lord. Is she out of her mind? Her boy robs her blind, takes the money, goes off. He brings the money back and she says, Oh, blessed be my son. I have wore his bridges out. <laughs> Not only that, but then she says, hey, let, let's melt down this silver and make an idol. A graven image that he can worship. So in gratitude for the return of the money, she dedicated part of the silver, 200 pieces, to make an idol. How messed up is that? But have you not heard of something similar in our world today? Oh, he's a good boy. He just got on the wrong track. Or, well, you know, he just made a mistake here. I want to tell you, there's something to be said about a mom, about a dad, about a family that will say this is right and this is wrong. Now, I want you to look at five Five of the Ten Commandments that are broken here. Alright, number one. The son did not honor his mother. Number two, the son stole money from his mother. Number three, he lied and did not tell the truth. Number four, he coveted what was not his. 
And then number five, he built a shrine to a pagan god. That is five of the Ten Commandments that are broken in this story time and time again. I want to tell you, we are going to live more and more in a lawless world as we get closer to the second coming of Jesus. The center cannot hold when there is confusion in the home. Vance Habner, the old country preacher, Vance Habner said this, we shouldn't worry because the government won't allow children to have Bibles in school. They'll get free Bibles when they go to prison. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> By the way, talking about that, this, this is a side note. I just want to share this with you. Now I'm going to say this not hoping not to get in trouble, but I'm usually pretty good about getting in trouble. If we take every single Christian influence, Christian teacher, Christian policeman, Christian fireman out of the public arena, we have messed up and we have lost our light and lost our witness. I thank God for those who know the Lord in a personal way that walk into a public classroom and teach and labor and love on kids. I thank God for that. I thank God for those who are called to make a difference. You know, there are some people that serve in a very, very hard place. Thank God for those that have light. Uh, I, I go to the hospitals all the time and visit people and I'm amazed at how many people identify me. They'll, they'll watch us on TV. They'll see the, the broadcast. You know, we make a difference when we show up in the public arena. Confusion in the home, it cannot last. The center cannot hold together. Well, let me tell you how we can fix that. The church has a part to play in that. The church needs to do all we can to strengthen the home. I, I remember uh, Kendra, our daughter. So I got that right. Our daughter, alright? <laughs> I know you were part of that too, alright? Our daughter. But when Kendra was a preschooler, she'd go to the nursery. And I still remember Ethel, the lady there in the nursery, taught her. And, and Ethel said, listen, I don't care how young she is, she can learn. There are those that claim, give us a child, until they're five, give us a child until they're ten, and they'll be ours for life. Let me tell you what else is happening. I know I'm on a tangent here, but listen to me. The Holy Spirit of God, if you don't go away with anything else, hear this. The Holy Spirit of God is bringing conviction to children at an earlier age. And we're seeing children saved at an earlier age because the Holy Spirit of God knows if it doesn't happen when they're five or they're six, they're going to be so hardened by this world, the Spirit of God can't penetrate their life. That's what's happening. You know, I remember years ago, children were saved, or teenagers, you know, 16, 17, 18, 
That's happening less and less because the Spirit of God is bringing conviction at an earlier age because of the hard world that we live in. Alright, let's move on. Number two, there was confusion in the ministry. In the ministry. Now I want to read just verse number 10. Judges 17, look at verse number 10. Micah then said to him, Dwell with me and be a father and a priest to me. And I will give you ten pieces of silver a year. Sue the clothes and your maintenance. So the Levite went in. And here's what happened. <clears throat> Micah has all these idols. Mama melted down the silver and made these idols. And so Micah thinks, well, I've got to have me a priest. I've got to have someone that will bow down before these pagan idols and that will make sacrifices here. So he finds a Levite. He finds someone from the tribe of Levi. A Levite who was to be worshiping and ministering in the tabernacle. He gets the Levite to come in and be his own personal priest. He hires him. The Bible says here in verse number 10, He's going to give him silver. He's going to give him a new suit of clothes. He's going to take care of He is whining and dining this Levite so that he can be his own personal priest. I want you to look over in chapter 18. Look at chapter 18 and verse number 30. <clears throat> the sons of Dan set up for themselves the graven image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh. He and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. Those graven images didn't go away. They just continued. Let me tell you something about, about a minister and about your calling. Somebody said instead of being available to God, Jonathan was agreeable only to men. Um, Jonathan, this, this priest, sold out his calling, became a hired priest in the home of Micah and a pagan temple. And it reminds us that as the days lean towards the second coming of Jesus, we're going to find more and more men and women that go into the ministry for a profession and not because of a call. happening today. I know back in my day and time, I'd talk to some guys and I'd say, why are you in the ministry? And they'd say, well, you know, Grandpa was a preacher. Dad was a preacher. Mom said, I need to be a preacher. Carry on. I want to tell you, if you are doing it for pay, you are a hiring and not a called minister of God. i got news for you. I, I've never known anyone that did it for pay that was too successful. Because I've always found out there's not enough money in the world to take those phone calls at 2 in the morning, to get those text messages and all that. Let me tell you four things about a preacher, about a pastor. The difference between what we have according to the Word of God and what we have here. Four things a preacher ought to be. Number one, God called. 
he ought to stand up, he ought to plant his feet, and he ought to say, Thus saith the Lord. Man, I have a high and holy respect for this book. Grass withers, flyer fades, but the Word of God stands forever. Man, this is the eternal Word of God. He ought to be God-called. Number two, he ought to be independent of the influence and pressure of man. Independent. I've never had too much trouble with that. Folks always said I was pretty independent. I had a buddy of mine that was pastoring a church and uh, he wanted to buy a new boat. And so uh, somebody in the church came by and said, I understand that you want to buy a new boat, preacher. And the preacher said, yeah, I've got my eye on this boat. I'd love to buy it. And this guy in the church said, uh, preacher, let, let me help you with that. Just gave him the money for the boat. He said, you just pay me back when you can. It'll be just a personal little loan between us. And then that next fall, this happened in the spring, the next fall it came time for the nominating committee. And that same guy showed up in that preacher's office and said, here's a, a list of some people I'd like you to put on these committees. Since we're good friends, I know you'll do that. That preacher knew that boy, he'd messed up taking that money. So here's what, what my friend did. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, you take that list back and I'm going to write you a check for what I owe you and we're done. That happens more often than you think. That sometimes there are those out there, they are hirelings, they are not prophets. W.A. Criswell said, they are small, piffling, popcorn prophets. They amount to nothing. Whenever a church has a hireling ministry, the blessings of God is not on that church. God's man is to love His Word, love the people, and serve at the will and the calling of God. Anything else, God's not going to bless. God's not going to bless. Confusion in the ministry. Now, as you and I get closer and closer to the coming of the Lord, we're going to see more confusion in the ministry of the Lord. Alright, let's move on. Alright, this is the third and last thing. Confusion in society. This is chapter 18. <clears throat> and let me just read here for you verse number 24. And then we're going to read 27 through 31. Alright, look at verse 24. He said, You have taken away my gods which I made, and the priests, and have gone away. And what do I have besides? So how can you say to me, What is the matter with you? Now let's read 27 through 31. Then they took what Micah had made, and the priest who belonged to him. You see that word there? The priest that what? Belonged to him. Hmm. And came to Laish to a people quite insecure and struck them with the edge of the sword and they burned the city with fire. And there was no one to deliver them because it was far from Sidon and they had no dealings with anyone. And it was in the valley which is near Beth-Rehob 
And they built a city and lived in it. They called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan their father, who was born in Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. The sons of Dan set up for themselves a graven image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's graven image, which he had made all the time that the house of God was at Shiloh. Don't you notice there in verse 31? It says the house of God was where? At Shiloh. And surrounding that house of God was all these images, all these pagan idols. God should have been king in Israel. And His Word, the law that governs society. But the people chose something else. The tribe of Dan, it's interesting, the tribe of Dan came seeking more territory. And as the tribe of Dan sought more territory, they invaded the land of Ephraim. And so they found Micah's house. And so they just kind of fell in with this idol worship. You know how much of an infection or a germ it takes to contaminate your body? Just one little small particle. I'm amazed when I get on the airplane. You know, I try not to touch anything. <laughs> get on the airplane, I try to use that hand sanitizer all the time. I was telling Angela up there, be sure and wear a mask on the airplane. I, I don't know if that helps or not, but I, I know that we take precautions not to be contaminated. If that's true physically, how much more spiritually? One little sin is like leprosy. Starts out with a small little white spot and then will cover the body. In chapter 18, verses 24 and 27, we find that these, these idols that Micah had just contaminated the whole society. Now, if you got your Bible, I want you to look over to Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 1 through 7. Now, as you look at verses 1 through 7, it describes the difference between the God who is real and those that are idols. Let me read that to you, alright? Isaiah chapter 46, verses 1 through 7. Baal has bowed down, Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. They stooped over, they have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but had themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You have been born by me from birth, and have been carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I will be the same. Even to your graying years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you. And I will bear you, and I will deliver you. 
To whom would you liken me? Make me equal and compare me, that we would be alike. Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale, hire a goldsmith, and he makes it to a god. They bow down, indeed they worship it. And then verse 7. They lift it up, up upon the shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. I cannot deliver him from his distress. I want to tell you, you can erect a God, you can put a false God up, but one day you'll come to despise it. And that's what God is saying here. Alright, let me wrap this up. Back in the book of Judges. They had a time where everyone did what was right in their own eyes to a, a point where God stopped sending judges. And what happens here is that there, there are no more judges. And God ends this period of history in the book of Judges. And then something happens. So the people begin to pray. And the people begin to look to the Lord. And then there's a guy that comes on the scene after the book of Judges. What's the next two books in your Bible? First and second... Samuel. Samuel comes along. And he says there's a king out there. So they anoint Saul. Saul didn't work out that great. And then there's a man, shepherd boy. Then there's a man after God's own heart. David. They anoint David. I want to tell you, before the king comes, there's anarchy. Before the king comes, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Before the king comes, the center could not hold together. We're living in a day and time like that. i got good news for you. The king is coming. Woo! Glory! Man, I got holy ripples. The King is coming. Oh, Wilma, that song by the Gators. You know, Gabriel's warming up. We hear the trumpet sounding. The King is coming. I would say with John the Apostle, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, our days are like the days of the judges. Lord, uh, the center cannot hold. Family is in disarray. Ministry in disarray. Society gone haywire. The Lord, these days must come before the King comes. But Lord, I look forward to the day when all this shall be in our past and we will be with the Lord forever. Father, what a thrill it's going to be to be on planet Earth when that eastern sky splits and we see Jesus in the sky. Lord, uh, the uptaking of Your people, God, to meet Him in the air is going to be a glorious sight. And Lord, I just pray that You hasten those days. God, help us to be busy spreading the Gospel to the whole world. 
so that the King can come. And we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen.